Hello and welcome to another episode of Essential Cardano 360, your monthly roundup of just some of the latest news and developments from across the Cardano ecosystem. Now, today I'm speaking to you from, yes, warm and sunny Colorado, where we've been enjoying the rare Evo event. Now, more from here later in the show. But before we dive in, make sure you like, subscribe and hit that bell icon to get all the latest and greatest news about Cardano from the team at IOG. It's been another busy month and we've got some great updates for you today. We'll check in with the Lace team. We've got an update from Arno Bailey on Mithril's recent launch on Mainnet, plus the IOG Project Catalyst team. And stay tuned till the very end for a quick update on the progress on Midnight, the new data protection sidechain. But first up, Rudy and Oswaldo from the Lace team sit down with Ada Handel's Goose to discuss their latest collaboration. Ada Handel takes the complexity out of wallet addresses, offering users a simple, memorable custom address to use instead, secured on the Cardano blockchain. Let's find out more. Hi, I'm Rudy, Community Manager for Lace. I'm very excited to be here today in one more episode of Cardano 360. Today, I have a very exciting panel of guests to share with you. I'm joined by Lace, Eternal, and Ada Handel. I'd like to start with Goose, and I've got two questions in mind. What does this personalization feature bring to the ecosystem and more generally to the industry as a whole? And the second question that I have in mind is, most importantly, actually, Goose, why Lace and why Eternal? For us, personalization is Ada Handel's first step towards on-chain identity. And what I mean by that now, users get a way to visually represent themselves using their handles. And they can sort of ubiquitously interact with, with different applications on Cardano that implements this new version of SIP68. And so, I mean, like, you know, while some people may see visual representation as this, this sort of, you know, novelty, you know, they're not necessarily wrong, but the platform itself was built as a way to modify data. So for us to take it from our first step as a visual representation, as its association with handles, to, you know, how do we tackle bigger identity issues like data privacy, or how do we issue hardware keys or credentials or certificates or, you know, and, and what are those knock-on effects for how we authorize or how we authenticate data on-chain? So for us, that's, that's, that's what personalization stands for. You know, it's, it's the first time, as I said, you know, users will be able to, you know, have some sort of, you know, representation with their identity on chain that is spread across multiple applications sort of seamlessly as we leverage the SIP68 standard. And to answer your second question, you know, why, why we chose Lace and Eternal to sort of spearhead this feature is a multitude of reasons. You, you know, Handle as its initial implementation of a tool makes its name by the way of its implementation on wallets, right? So it's its most important implementers are the wallets that exist on Cardano. And so it makes a lot of sense for us to, to go with projects like Lace and Eternal. You know, Eternal has, has a very large and dedicated user base. Lace has a very large team and a very ambitious roadmap. And so we wanted to be able to leverage those things, jump on early for certain things and, and be able to be implemented in you know some of the most important wallets on Cardano. Moving on to the wallets then, I'd like to ask you as Valdo, you know, how was it to collaborate with Ada Handel? How was the process and how did the team feel about it? Yeah, actually that was uh, very easy. Goose here uh, reached out to the team and they mentioned this feature that I've been working out for the last uh, few months. So personalization of handles, they have been working on this one and it makes sense for them obviously to collaborate. And it was a pleasure for us. Actually, the whole process was smoothly. Uh, they presented the use cases. We uh, discussed it with the UX UI team, with engineers, and for Lace 1.4, in case you haven't uploaded yet. 
that's already available. If you have an add a handle, you will be able to personalize it within the add a handle DAP and then beautifully see it very seamlessly. If you ask me, uh, you'll have it there on your Lace wallet. I must say, you know, the, the feature looks really, really great on Lace. I just wanted to ask you from um, a user point of view, you know, what's the motivation? What's the, the rationale behind the way of displaying the personalized handle in Lace? If there's anything that you'd like to share on that. Lace vision is to, first and foremost, be the most easy to use wallet out there. Focusing first on the Cardano, obviously, the Cardano system. And these type of features uh, and partner and collaborations with the rest of the, of the community, in this case, with AdHandle, make sense for us in that same way. Because if we want to onboard more users into ecosystem and blockchain in general, whatever makes this experience the better out there will definitely add value for us and for the ecosystem and for the user in general. So UX UI, as you guys have seen it, we make a lot of focus and a lot of effort on makes this experience as seamless as possible. There's a lot of things we need to figure it out, not only as a wallet, but as a ecosystem as a whole to how we can make this uh, as easy as Web2 is today. But in this, uh, in that same sense, I think right now, the way you can see your NFTs, you're at a handle and with the personalization feature within Lace is beautiful, it's intuitive, almost as is in Web2. In web uh, we also have uh, in Lace wallet, we have the NFT folders. So if you want to categorize them as you wish, that should be also a little bit more easier to handle your, your NFTs, not only your ad handles, but whatever NFT you had available. But yeah, um, for us, it's about making things easier. We know there's a lot of technological jargon, if you wish. We all here are savvy, technically speaking. And if I want to onboard to this existing, to my neighbors, to my mom, to my sister, these things need to be a more easy way to onboard and, and seamless again, to not only talk to us and to my engineers, but to the world in general. So whoever it's in the same mission of us to onboard new users, to make things easier, to make things seamless, we're definitely gonna collaborate in the near future, the same way we did with the handle team. Now that you mentioned uh, as well, Ada Handle, we, we've got Eternal here. And Marcel, we also would like to hear from you, you know, what are your views on the collaboration and what have you got aligned for Eternal as well? Yeah, I totally agree with Osvaldo here. Um, the implementation was easy as always when we are working with the Ada Handle team. In the current version of Eternal, we can resolve the new Ada Handle NFTs and display the customized images. But now we are focused on the complete redesign of our user interface called Eternal V2. And of course, we are thinking about uh, how to enrich the new UI with Ada Handle's personalization feature. Theming will be a topic in V2, maybe not from the beginning, but with a higher priority after launch. In the meantime, we created some awesome mesmerizer themed handle backgrounds. Um, so stay tuned for their launch. I'm really chuffed to see Lays and Eternal join hands uh, to support one of the biggest and most exciting projects in the Cardano ecosystem. I would like to finish this section by letting you talk about what's next for your project. So, so we have a few things on our immediate roadmap. First and foremost, you know, we have two proposals here in the upcoming fund through Project Catalyst. One is to tackle how do we decentralize the minting mechanism of ADA handles? And the other is how do we continually build out the personalization marketplace to cater to a, a multitude of different things that, going, that are going to exist for a user to be able to interact with using their handles. And it's all sort of just to kind of piggyback on what you were talking about, Rudy, which is, you know, how best do we not only onboard users into Cardano, but how best do we keep them in Cardano, right? So the handle marketplace is sort of this one-stop shop 
user interface that caters to all types of different things that data handles will be able to do. Things like distributing subhandles, uh, personalizing or modifying data within your handles, a secondary marketplace for people who want to trade their handles, and maybe even at some point, a way for people to rent out their handles you know, to other users in a peer-to-peer fashion. Those are some of the things we're looking at, but I think first and foremost is get subhandles ready and out there. We have a few um, applications who are looking to implement the subhandle feature, so I think we're going to start building that up. That's pretty awesome, to be fair. Oz, do you have anything for Lace? So yeah, definitely. I think uh, I can mention three things here. I will say though, in the short and midterm. In the short term, we know there are still some features that we need to deliver, which is full support of Ledger and Treasure Harbor wallets. That's on the way. A second feature uh, what I would like to mention, it's multi-delegation. This is gonna be a better version, which hopefully it's gonna be available for 1.5. I don't wanna jinx it, but we are making all the effort and yeah, all the all what we can do to make that possible in the next release. And uh, more midterm, this is something that we kick off in this quarter with the effort and the work for Lace Mobile. So for this quarter, it's only to setting up the baseline and all the technicalities. But uh, yeah, I would say in the next year, we're going to be so excited with Lace Mobile. It's going to be uh, increasing a lot of experience. I obviously onboard more users as, you know, mobile first. The community doesn't stop asking for Lace Mobile. So that, that would be really, really exciting for them. Thank you for that bit. Um, Marcel, would you like to give us an overview of what Eternal is planning? Yeah, so we have a lot of work ahead of us. Eternal V2 will keep us busy for the next few months. Meanwhile, uh, we also have a few catalyst proposals. There's one about multisig, uh, make that accessible to all the users of Eternal. A small wiki proposal where we want to add more content to our newly generated wiki. Another one for enabling Eternal to, to run for the next uh, year. And I want to close with a call to action uh, to all the apps. Uh, we recently implemented a beta feature called Cardano Connect. It's uh, named on the um, CIP45 and it's similar to Wallet Connect, but real peer to peer. So if you want to implement it, please join our Discord for more information on that. Thank you, Marcel. And that's all. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been really, really great to hear from these exciting projects and this collaboration that has been really, really cool for all of us. I just wanted to remind you, don't forget to create your very own personalized handle and of course, show it off, show it off on Lace, on Eternal. I'll leave the choice entirely up to you. Thank you. So thanks to Goose and Marcel for joining us and be sure to follow Lace on Twitter for the latest news. And if you're in Las Vegas for NFT XLV, the Lace team will be there. So stop by and say hello. Now Mithril reached an important milestone in July with its first mainnet deployment. And it's enrolled a number of SPOs to produce signatures and test. Tio caught up with Arno Bailey to discuss where the project's going and some of the future use cases the team's investigating with the community. Hi, I'm Teodora Sebastian and I'm Marketing and Communications Manager here at IOG and today I'm with Arno talking about Mithril. Hi, I'm Arno, uh, I'm the Lead Architect for the Mithril team and the Scaling, scaling Tribe at IOG and yeah, we are here to talk about Mithril. So tell me, Arno, what's the current state of Mithril right now? We have deployed the first version of Mithril mainnet in mid-July, 11th of July if I remember correctly. So this means that now the real fun starts. We have uh, SPO signing the full node database on mainnet, which is 150 gigabytes of data. And we have the aggregator running that can provide and deliver the data for users so that they can 
basically spin up a full-blown calendar node in about an hour. And we, we recently made some, some improvements into the client that really, I mean, you're, you're really limited by your bandwidth now and by the fact that you still have to download 70 gigabytes of data or 60 or 70 gigabytes of data and extract it, but the verification process is very fast and then the bootstrap for the kernel node is very fast. So that's where we are. We are to about 66 SPOs registered as of today. So that's pretty cool because that's already a, a three or four fold increase over what we had in the, in the testing network. So there was a, there was good, good, good excitement in the SPO community and people are joining and we are also polishing and really uh, trying to make the onboarding process as, uh, as straightforward and hassle-free as possible. Yeah, that's actually fantastic. So congrats on uh, being on the mainnet and on getting the community excited. I guess my next question would be, so what's around the corner for Mithril? The main objective right now is to increase the share of SPOs joining the network because the security of the whole protocol relies on, on the large participation so that the larger is the share of SPO that will be uh, signing the, the snapshots, the, the, the more, more secure the protocol will be. I guess that's really uh, the main thrust of the work we're working now. Uh, another, another piece of work and the, the really the short-term objectives we are also working on is engaging with the community in order to make it super straightforward to, uh, to deploy the, the, the Mithril signer and also to work on uh, use cases. And a third aspect that we are also uh, engaging the community with is to work on the incentive model for the SPOs and to think more into the uh, trying to build an economic model of Mithril itself. And it's not only about incentive, it's really about value provided to someone. So that we already started discussing with, uh, with, with, the, with the, the, the testers we had. I think, uh, and then uh, another exciting piece of work is the um, integration with the light wallet or Lace in general. So there's been some proof of concept thing around where yeah, one was able to restore Lace desktop wallet in, uh, in using Mithril, but the, I think the main value would be uh, integration with the Lace web-based or lightweight clients, whether it's web-based or mobile-based and working with the Lace team to provide Mithril-based snapshots that would be useful for Mithril clients. So, I mean, that's that's been one of the main targets and the main use case for Mithril uh, from the get-go that we'll be working on with the Lace team. Yeah, that's really exciting. And um, yeah, I'm sure Lace users will be very, very appreciative of this implementation with Mithril whenever that comes. But this is a good segue for me to ask, what other use cases do you foresee for Mithril in the near future? From a technical standpoint, we are at a stage where it works, and this is what we are currently demonstrating. It works. We want to make sure it works at, at the scale of the mainnet, because the scale of the mainnet is, of course, very different from the scale of the testnet. So there is a technical layer. But I think what we are really interested in and on the, on the medium term is really about working on really good use cases. So the first use case we have been working on so far is really restoration of a full calendar node. I very recently discovered that this is not a, a super frequent use case, but it's a very interesting one, especially in one particular circumstance, is when you upgrade the calendar node. And when you upgrade the calendar node, actually what happens is like, you upgrade the calendar node and then you need to revalidate everything and to reconstruct the whole ledger state. And now I have, the fa I mean, I know for a fact that uh, an SPO actually upgraded their node using uh, Mithril and it, it, it really was done in, uh, in about an hour, which is, okay, which is like, a significant improvement, which means like upgrades of calendar nodes are less 
fearful, they are more straightforward, they, are, they could be done more easily, and this is a really interesting use case. On the longer run, um, I think it should be possible that anyone uh, having an interesting use case or wanting to provide some specific service to a bunch of users should be able to really create uh, their own their own aggregator to and to provide that service in some specific ways. And that's where our mind is, is engaging with the community, like I was saying before. Lightweight clients might be interesting use cases. We are also discussing with people around uh, sidechains, so sidechain bridges, because uh, when, you, when you're moving assets around between uh, two, two different chains, well, you need to prove that the assets are really in the, in the, in the chain you are moving them around. And that's where Mithril comes into play, because now you are able to really provide a proof that's based on the large Ascension share of the, of the actors network, and not only the, the, the few that are running bridges. That's really the, the main aspect. The decentralization of the, of the network will be a key to unlock the power of Mithril. I mean, this is relatively tricky from a technical standpoint, but it's three more products, and uh, it's really predicated on the fact that the community will really understand what Mutual is for, how it works, and really be able to build new interesting use cases. And that's why we're really trying to work with SPOs, maybe uh, SPOs, DAP builders, any kind of wallet providers, any kind of actor on the cloud network to, to, to leverage Mutual. Oh, and I forgot to mention one interesting use case we are also working on, which is integration between Hydra and Mithril, so that you, you will be able to run the Hydra node and without, uh, with, a, with a fraction or with a, and, and to bootstrap a Hydra node using a bootstrap kernel node from Mithril, which will make it very fast deployment of Hydra. So there are also a lot of synergies to be built uh, here. So yeah, loads of exciting stuff down in the pipeline. So we talked about uh, short-term, medium-term, long-term objectives, and it all sounds really, really good. But how can the community get in touch? Like how they can be involved in this? I'm sure the list can continue to more than 60 SPOs. And yeah, give us a little bit of, uh, you know, incentive. We uh, are working very hard on trying to make the competition good-looking and, and engaging and easy to, to work with. The Mitchell Network website is a good place. The Discord channel on IOG's technical community is very active, and there are also a few uh, recurring updates being provided during SPO calls. And of course, the uh, the, the GitHub repository uh, is where new uh, new ideas, uh, discussions, and features can can really be be shared. That's really cool. Well, thank you so much for this update. Thank you. And a special shout out to all the SPOs that have been involved throughout the Mithril testing phase. We couldn't do it without you. And if you want to get involved and start trying out Mithril, you'll find the Discord link below. So with voting registration now complete, we're excited to be joined by the Catalyst team to discuss all that Fun 10 has to offer and officially fire the starting pistol at the beginning of the voting period. Let's check in with Danny and Chris for more. Hi everybody, I'm Chris Baird, Group Product Lead at Project Catalyst. What an exciting time it is in the world of Project Catalyst, we're deep into Catalyst's Fund 10. And over the past month, the Cardano community have worked really diligently on reviewing and providing feedback to proposers about their proposals submitted into Catalyst Fund 10. And after a really productive community review period, today, as of August the 31st, marks the start of two weeks of voting to decide on which of these proposals should receive funding. And I'm also thrilled to announce that we have more voter registrations in Fund 10 than any previous Catalyst funding round to date. 
So for those of you that have registered by the August 18th deadline for voter registrations, you can now participate in voting, meaning you can download the Project Catalyst voting app from the Google Play and Apple iOS uh, app stores and begin to start voting on your favourite proposals. For those of you that maybe have unfortunately missed out on the opportunity to register to vote this time round, don't worry, know that your opinions and your votes really matter and there'll be plenty of opportunity for you to participate in future funding rounds. Now, whether you're a Catalyst veteran or you're new to Cardano and want to understand what is Project Catalyst, maybe we can take a few moments just to recap on what Project Catalyst is all about and why it's really important to helping to advance the Cardano ecosystem forward. And for that, I'd like to introduce you to Daniel Rebar, our community project manager in Catalyst, and to tell you a bit more about what Catalyst is all about. Danny, over to you. Absolutely, thank you, Chris. For those of you who contributed to and seen the evolution of Catalyst, over the years, you really understand how significant the launch of Fund10 itself was and how important the entire proposal process is to bringing those meaningful ideas to life and driving ultimately Cardano forward. And as we kick off community voting, let's quickly remind ourselves of what Catalyst is and what we're all working towards together. So Catalyst is an organic constellation of many individuals forming varied organizations and communities that are coming together as one of the world's largest decentralized innovation funds that has allocated in total about $50 million in ADA to more than 1,000 projects with team members based in 100 plus countries around the entire world, really touching a wide variety of industries and use cases, all having a one key element in common, and that's elevating Cardano ecosystem. So as a bottom line, Catalyst is really a public square for innovation that serves as a communal space to any ecosystem member to ideate, to form teams, to collaborate, and ultimately execute on the objective of funded proposals and all in a fairly permissionless environment. And the concept is really simple. I have seen a problem in the world that needs solving. I have an idea how to go about it. Then I can go and submit this idea to the community for feedback, iterate based on it. Then I can learn even how to collaborate, even form teams, and then submit my proposal for a community-led review, looking at criteria such as impact, feasibility, or value for money, and ultimately looking into a public community vote. Speaking of which, Chris, what about this voting? Yeah, and that's the most important part of this process, I would argue. And these next two weeks are going to be incredibly important to help understand what the path and direction of Catalyst going forward looks like, um, as well as also the continued growth of Cardano. So Catalyst Fund 10 is very similar in nature to the previous funds that we've run, though there's been a few differences uh, that's worthwhile pointing out. First of all, there's 50 million ADA up for grabs to distribute towards community-led initiatives and technical projects that are going to advance the state of Cardano. 50 million ADA is the most amount of ADA we've distributed in a single fund. So that alone is worth taking note of. Similarly, you know, there's a lot of new nuance to Fund10. There have been some changes to how the processes and the program operates. Going forward, once Fund10 projects are actually funded, they'll all be delivering against milestones. So the funding will only reach them once the milestones have been verified for being delivered. So this provides high levels of accountability and trust amongst the community that projects are actually fulfilling what their promises were. And, you know, there's been so many countless examples of great projects 
funded over the past two and a half years, such as infrastructure projects that are enabling thousands of Cardano builders and to have the tooling available to build the applications of the future, through to crowdfunding property development projects in Africa where crowdsourcing funds are registered through the, the blockchain, land registrations have been registered using Cardano, uh, funded via Project Catalyst. There are a whole, a whole host of use cases and amazing creative and business innovations that have been realized through Catalyst funding. So again, coming around to the vote, this is why it's really important. Your votes and your opinions really do matter and they really do create the impact that can be felt as ripple and tides and waves through the Cardano ecosystem for many months to come. So with this in mind, it's worth obviously remembering that every vote that you cast within Catalyst is privacy preserving. So whilst these votes are registered to on-chain, anyone that's exploring those votes aren't going to know which direction you voted, whether you voted for or against a proposal. But it's also worth considering that of all the great proposals that have been submitted into Fund 10, this is the first time the Catalyst team have submitted our own proposals for the community to evaluate and ultimately decide on whether to consent to the Catalyst team's roadmap over the course of the next 12 months. And importantly, this is a great opportunity just to sort of celebrate all of the milestones that the IOG Catalyst team and the community have been able to achieve together. So with all that in mind, Danny, what do we need to do? How do we go forward? What's next? Right on. A voting period is ultimately a celebration of governance. And now is the time to take charge by voting on proposals that truly mean something to you, your community peers, and really the ecosystem at large. Fund 10, as you heard, offers so many opportunities for innovation and impact. So make sure your voice is heard and participate. You have two full weeks to cast your votes, so no need to rush them. Take time to understand what ideas are on the ballot and what teams you'd like to support as you navigate through the voting app. Would also like to recommend utilizing community tooling around Catalyst, such as lidonation.com catalyst for more in-depth analysis of any of these amazing ideas that you will find in Fund 10. As always, all information and resources relevant to Project Catalyst and the proposal process at large can be found either directly on the projectcatalyst.io website or specifically the Knowledge Hub base, which is accessible at docs.projectcatalyst.io, where you'll find home for all things Project Catalyst. So keep in mind that voting ends two weeks from now on September 14th at 11 a.m. UTC. Outside of this, we would also allow you to join us during our weekly town hall meetings that are taking place every Wednesday at 5 p.m. UTC to stay in touch and get in a conversation with fellow Cardano travelers. And that is really it. So go out, debate, engage with fellow community members and ultimately cast your votes. So that's it, Chris. And so it's only left to say best of luck to all of the proposers and happy voting for everyone participating in the voting stage of Catalyst. We're excited to see what the results hold come the middle to end of September. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye. So thank you, Chris, Danny, and everyone on the Project Catalyst team. And a shout out to everyone in the Catalyst community driving grassroots innovation on Cardano. Now, Fund 10 is the most important one yet, where as well as project funding, you get the chance to help shape its future. So get involved.
Interoperability and scalability have always been central to Cardano's mission. Now, it's been an exciting year with a number of community projects building solutions to bridge and expand access to other networks. And OneChain is no exception. Temu Jin Louie, VP of Marketing at OneChain, stopped by to discuss their recent deployment on mainnet and to share a little more about what's coming from the team. Hello, Cardano community. This is Temujin. I am Wanchain's VP of Marketing, and I'm extremely happy to join the show today to share the latest news from Wanchain. This is actually the third time Wanchain shows up on Cardano 360. As most of you probably know, the first time we came on was to announce that we were building bridges to connect Cardano to both EVM and other non-EVM networks. Then the second time we came on was to announce that these bridges were now live on Cardano pre-production. So as you can probably guess, the third time, the bridges are live on mainnet. So we're very, very excited about that. And just as a little bit of a refresher, for those of you who don't know OneChain, OneChain is an R&D focused blockchain interoperability project. We are one of the first, if not the first blockchain project out there that was focused solely on interoperability. We launched the first public cross-chain bridge way back in 2018. And we also launched the first bridge directly connecting Ethereum and BTC. So with those couple of milestones out of the way, we're very happy to having achieved a new milestone. And this is connecting Cardano to 11 different networks. So for the past several months, you know, we've been all hands on deck for these Cardano bridges. So as of just a few days ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, by the time this airs, Cardano bridges are live on mainnet, connecting the Cardano mainnet directly to 11 other networks. These are some big networks, some EVMs that you're all familiar with, like Ethereum and Avalanche C-Chain, Polygon but also some non-EVMs as well. There are now direct bridges connecting Bitcoin to Cardano, as well as uh, Tron to Cardano, and even some cool layer two integrations. So you can now bridge directly from Arbitrum and Optimism straight into Cardano. So on day one, we um, made a few assets available for bridging. These included ADA, so you can actually bring ADA from Cardano to Ethereum, for example, or to the OneChain layer one but you can also bring BTC, ETH, USDT, and USDC into the Cardano mainnet where you can use it in you know, whatever DeFi applications choose to support these assets. This is pretty cool in my opinion, because as far as I know, this is the first time that there are fiat-backed stablecoins available on the Cardano mainnet. So now that Cardano is connected to OneChain's cross-chain infrastructure, this actually means that it is technically possible to bridge between Cardano and just about 30 different public networks, again, non-EVMs and EVMs alike. So what this means is that any native Cardano token, as well as ADA, can be bridged to any of those EVMs that are connected by our system. Any of the ERC-20s or standard assets from the EVMs can be bridged into Cardano. And then of the non-EVMs that we support, you know, some select assets such as BTC can now also be bridged into Cardano. So you know, over the next coming weeks, Based on basically your demand, Cardano community will be activating different assets, you know, to really service and help the DeFi ecosystem on Cardano grow. But kind of the most exciting thing about being integrated into our cross-chain infrastructure is now that you're part of the, the family, all our future products, our blockchain interoperability products that we launch are going to be functional with Cardano as well. So in the next several months, we're also going to be publicly opening our general message passing platform. So this will also be um, you know, available on Cardano. So lots of exciting things to look forward to, and we look forward to building the ecosystem together. Now, I know there's some skepticism about bridges. You know, we've all seen the news with the different hacks and things like that that have happened. So I thought I'd take this opportunity and to just give you a little bit of an overview of exactly how OneChain bridges work and these new Cardano bridges work. 
So basically, we like to describe the WAN chain bridges as being direct, decentralized, and non-custodial cross-chain bridges. Basically, the way the infrastructure works is at any given time, there will be 25 active bridge nodes. Now, these are permissionless bridge nodes, meaning anyone watching this video right now, you can go and you know, deploy a WANChain bridge node. And then to increase decentralization, these active bridge nodes, this group of 25, they will get re-elected on a monthly basis. And the re-election basically follows a POS style logic. So the more assets you stake into the bridge as a bridge node operator, the higher your chances are of election. Now this staking element is also quite important because it acts as an additional security layer. So if ever there was any issues with the bridge, it's actually the bridge nodes themselves that will get slashed to protect user assets. So you can kind of you know, conceptually think about it as these staked assets serve as kind of a max quota for the total value of assets that can pass through the bridge at any given time. Now, I won't get too technical, I'm not a computer scientist, but basically the way the bridges work, they're not using multi-sigs, which you might have heard of, you know, in kind of different uh, bridges. We use something called multi-party computing, as well as Shamir's secret sharing. Now, it's slightly different from multi-sig where each node just signs a transaction and you tally them up, you cross the threshold and you're good to go. Actually here, all the different nodes, which again are permissionless and decentralized, they're actually constructing a single private key together to execute these cross-chain transactions. So, you know, this is basically in a, in a nutshell how Wanchain bridges work. Well, that's it for me. Thanks very much for having me on Cardano360. I hope to have the opportunity to come on again, maybe when we launch this general message passing platform on Cardano. And if you want to stay up to date with these developments and more, you can follow us a, on Twitter at wanchain underscore org. You can come to Telegram where you can talk to us live. This is at Wanchain Chat. And of course, importantly, please do try the bridge. It's at bridge.wanchain.org. Thanks, everyone. So a big up to the whole OneChain team and community for contributing to scaling Cardano. With OneChain's bridge now live on mainnet, Cardano users now have connectivity to 11 other networks, and there's lots more exciting stuff to come. So be sure to follow OneChain on Twitter for that. Now every month we try to feature a handful of projects building on Cardano and creating solutions to help others build. Dquadrant is a software development and IT service company from the Netherlands, founded in 2020, and they've been making significant contributions to the project ever since. Our very own Ben O'Hanlon met with Dquadrant founder Ronald Spann to discuss their latest work. Let's take a look. Hi Ronald, thanks for joining me. It's been a while since we spoke, but I wanted to have a chat with you because at the moment, a lot of people are talking about developer education, especially on Twitter. And I thought you had an interesting perspective. Can you tell us a bit about what you've been doing? Actually, we got into contact with IOG education very early because we were asked as a Plutusescal developer party uh, to assist them at certain hackathons. And from that, we learned a lot that people were struggling basically with setting up the whole infrastructure for Cardano. And we said, well, let's build something on basis of what we already have, which we created for our NFT marketplace, which we developed. And that was a replacement of the Plutus application backend. And so we decided to start to build an IDE on top of that to remove basically the friction of setting up the whole infrastructure and having a starting point for developers coming into the ecosystem to quickly basically develop a smart contract, to test that smart contract, to interact with the wallet, to make use of the different networks of Cardano and execute basically that smart contract. And the second part is, of course, how do you make it easy for developers to get started? So you need to have examples, you need to have documentation, 
that is basically guiding people how they can build functionality on Cardano. And so next to the Cuba IDE on top of Cuba API, we developed a, a broad set of documentation and examples that people can follow along. And you don't have to go to a development portal, find A here, B uh, there, and you have to put it all together in order to get started. So that's problematic. And so it's better to have good, clear documentation with good samples and one environment, basically, which you can start from the browser without any dependencies. And you can go for it. You can concentrate only on that part which you are interested in as a developer and build your smart contracts. I think that's really interesting because developer education is important, but there are different levels of developers, right? Different needs that people have. And pioneers, uh, the various pioneer programs have been good examples of developers learning. But I think what I'm hearing you say is this is going to help developers who are already competent get started faster. Is that right? Exactly, because we also have functionality within our IDE, for example, for getting hashes back where you don't have to execute your own code. It's just simple, available, and you can take it and you can use it. And well, next to that, of course, it's a pain to connect to different kind of networks. It's a pain to interact with different wallets. How do you organize that? And that's all organized from within the IDE next to stuff like compiling and testing. I think you're a bit of an unsung hero, right? Because you're um, entirely self-funded, is that right? Yes, we are entirely self-funded. We started this ourselves. Like I said, uh, the Plutus application backend replacement, uh, we developed already in 2022. In month six of 2022, we open sourced that. It was available much longer than other parties which are currently promoting their solution, but it was not well known. And I think still Cuba ID is also not well known by the community. Of course, there are users of it, uh, but it could be broader out. But we are not very strong in marketing. We are purely focusing on our technological uh, knowledge and applying that on Cardano. So would you want people from the Cardano community or even other ecosystems to reach out for interviews and, and to help? It would be interesting for us to get in contact with influencers, basically, who can help us reaching our goal. Because our goal is onboarding 1,000 new developers on Cardano. So if we can spin that off with influencers uh, where they can reach out to certain target groups, I think we have something very powerful here. On a, a slightly different topic, something else I noticed on Twitter recently was people asking how to create a DAO. That's something you've got a, a solution for? Yes, we have developed a complete DAO solution that contains multi-sig, the creation of an organization, adding people to an organization, having the quorum set where People can start basically uh, signing uh, on basis of votes and adding and withdrawing to a DAO. That's complete. That complete functionality is already available. We are currently researching certain use cases to optimize that solution and make it available. So if people are interested in a DAO and have a certain use case, which they think that is very interesting, please reach out to us. And we can talk about it and see if we can incorporate that for Cardano ecosystem. You've been in Cardano for a long time and you've been putting the work in. I think you have two proposals that you've got up in Catalyst. I'd love to learn a little bit more about them. 
One is the Cuba ID, which we think is a non-risk proposal because we basically have a solution that is working. We are currently using it in our own company to onboard people. It's used by IOG and there are several others that are using it, but we are basically asking for funding to optimize it further, to expand functionality in it and have an even better solution, similar like a remix on Ethereum. And you have another proposal that's going to increase transparency in Cardano's ecosystem? That is called the mempool explorer and that is related to the private mempool of stakepool operators. In that private mempool, transactions are being placed and these transactions can be manipulated. That's not visible currently and what we want to do is to make this vid visible to the community that actually the operations which are happening on Cardano network are correct. And people are not taking disadvantage of the knowledge they have to manipulate the order of these transactions. Okay, last question, Ronald. What's, uh, what's the one question you never get asked that you wished you did more often? I would like uh, that we, as Dequadrant, would uh, more often ask by teams who are looking basically for developers to be part of what they want to achieve because we know a lot of teams have good ideas but they don't have the developers. But they always run to the well-known names which are presented everywhere. And we as Dequadrant are a small team, not very marketing heavy. So we are less known, but we are already working since 2020 for IOG. We have done a lot of work for them and currently still working for them on parts like for Voltaire. And next to that, uh, we are also joining the member-based organization, which is called Intersect. So I think... Uh, we are very well rooted within the Cardano ecosystem, have a lot of knowledge, and that knowledge could be useful for teams who are starting, still struggling, and reach out to us and see what we can do for them. Thanks very much, Ronald. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So thanks to Ron for joining us there. And Dequadrant is just one of the great developers with a proposal in Catalyst Fund 10. So be sure to check out their proposal and you'll find the links you need in the show notes below. Maestro is building out a development stack to make building on Cardano easier than ever. Its V1 DAP platform brings together a suite of UTXO-optimized developer tools to enhance the developer experience, speeding up DAP building and empowering the ecosystem to innovate. Maestro last week announced a collaboration with Anastasia Labs to launch a plug-and-play smart contract API for Web3 DAP development, making it easier than ever to integrate the Cardano blockchain into your application. Hot off the press, we caught up with Marvin Bertin to learn more. Well, Marvin Vardaris, it's uh, really good to get to be with you guys at this event in 2023, Rare Evo. Uh, can you introduce us? So you, you have a, a new project startup that you're working on within the Cardona space. Um, it's getting traction. It's pretty exciting to me. Go Maestro. So can you tell us what it's about? Go Maestro is basically kind of the full Web3 stack for, for Cardano. It's a dApp development platform that gives you all the basic tools and services and APIs to help other you know, developers and projects build you know, faster and more efficiently dApps in Cardano, really abstracting the way the, the complexity of handling you know, UTXOs and purchase contracts and streamlining the whole development process. And so, yeah, just empowering developers and creators to you know, help them, the idea come to life on mainnet. All right, and so what's the sort of group of people um, out there that are going to benefit from this and we're going to be using your product? We really tailor to, you know, individual developers all the way to like established enterprise. You know, you could be someone that's already built on Cardano an application and are trying to either save on costs by, you know, 
using our services for hosted infrastructure or want to introduce a new feature that is enabled by some of our advanced tooling. Or you're someone that wants to enter Cardano, right? And you just don't know where to get started. And uh, you can come to our platform and very quickly start using some of our services to kind of bolt an app together and, 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 and kind of see how you could run a Cardano dApp end-to-end. And so really that's the goal is to become this middleware between the developers and the creators and the Cardano ecosystem and help both veteran in the space, but also newcomers that uh, want to enter the Cardano ecosystem. Okay, and so where's, where's Maestro at today? Uh, you know, what's the current state of development and what are you hoping to achieve here at the event? Yeah, so a couple of months ago in May, we released our, what we call our DAP platform. So this is our subscription-based services where we offer right now three main services. So enterprise-grade blockchain indexer. So think of Babel all, getting all the on-chain data that you need to you know, build transactions, interact with contracts. These are kind of the basic, basic tools that any DAP needs. We also have a full kind of transaction management, transaction monitoring system, which is great for then so many transactions and tracking that transactions. Is it on-chain? Is it rolled back? How do you react to that in real time? We also have a tool called Turbo Transactions that help you propagate your transactions through the network. So we launched four months ago with those three services and we've really grown significantly. We have now about 22 million API calls to our platform. We have about 125 developers and projects that have signed up and used our platform. Uh, and that's just in the span of four months. So you can see there's a clear appetite for these types of tools and uh, from you know, individual developers to big, big projects. And so what, what, are you, what are you doing here with Maestro that is, you know, what, what, are, what labor are you saving people? What pain are you saving people? I think a lot of projects, right, in this ecosystem, they might have limited funding and resources, but they have an amazing idea, right? So they want to build something that's unique that the ecosystem needs or the industry has a, has a large needs. And so there's many aspects to like achieving that mission. And each one of those takes a lot of resources, right? So different layers of your development stack, growing the team, like company operations, right? So uh, it's, it's almost impossible, very difficult for those projects, those small teams to achieve that, realize that unique project. Yeah. So I think what we do is figuring out like what those were exactly and abstracting those away. And that was, probably the hardest part for us, right? Like, what is it that we need that we can do that's generalizable to all of these different projects? And just iterating on that with the people that trusted us initially, I would say that was, that was quite the journey. And, we're, and, and that's an ongoing process as well. As we build more products, um, we continue to narrow down on what all of these different projects can use, not just, you know, specialized to like one or two. So like keep yeah. reevaluating, asking yourself that question and not being so close to like what you built, I think, yeah. Can you maybe talk about that and also you know, anything else that you're looking forward to in the next, I don't know, six months to six years? Yeah, we're gonna announce this new service that we call Managed Contracts or Plug and Play Contracts. And it's really a first of its kind on Cardano and it's leveraging what we're already good at, which is managed infrastructure, but we're kind of putting it to the next level. So we're gonna create a platform where people can provide open source contracts for everyone to use. These contracts are standardized and, and vetted and for some of them isn't audited. And then we offer a service that manages the entire stack of interacting with the contract, deploying the contract, be able to submit transactions and all through very simple APIs that anyone can integrate into their website. And so at that point, you don't even need to understand how Cardano works or how the blockchain works. You can just, we call it like plug and play contracts. You can just import that contract into your application and just in a few clicks, connecting to our APIs and interact with those contracts.
and uh, we really think that that's kind of a, what the space needs to move towards, right? Is really abstracting away that complexity so that we can bring people that are not even in blockchain that want Web2 features, but in the Web2 world. If people are on the same page with you guys about that vision and they want to participate, they want to contact you, get involved, either use your services or help contribute to open source projects in the future, you know, how, how do they get in contact with you? What, what connect points do they have with you now and, and going forward? Yeah, I mean, you can check out our website, gomaestro.org, and then you can go on our socials. We're active on Twitter, Telegram, Discord. You send us a message, we'll reply instantly. You yeah. know, we're very active, we're very, we're, we're very close to everyone we work with. And the platform is live, so you can sign up on the platform right now with your email, and we have a free tier where we give you like 100,000 credits a day that you can use and, and use all our tools. And that's enough to build you know, an entire dApp in pre-prod on your own and all through the free, net, free uh, subscription. So I invite people to try it out, and if they have any questions, to hit us up. Thank you guys for the interview, and thank you for everything that you're doing for the Cardano ecosystem too. It's pretty inspiring to see you guys uh, doing this and to be uh, you know, running this workshop, helping people out. Uh, I'm looking forward to what you guys do and everything that you know, comes out of it as well. So thanks. Thank you yeah, very much. Thank you. Thanks again to Marvin for that update. And if you want to read more about their collab with Anastasia Labs, check out the blog link in the show notes below. Book.io is a multi-chain Web3 marketplace for buying, reading, and selling decentralized ebooks and audiobooks. The project's made some great progress this year, so while at Rare Evo, we thought we'd catch up with the project to hear the latest. So, Josh, uh, it's really good to get to talk to you. Um, could you give us a quick introduction to yourself and also to Book.io? Yeah, I'm Josh Stone. I'm the CEO of Book.io. So what we're creating is a Web3 platform for eBooks and audiobooks, such that the content is decentralized and you truly own it, as opposed to um, what currently in the book industry, you don't own anything. You purchase a license to view content. Mm, yeah, and so what does this change that you're developing for readers and for publishers and authors, how does it affect them in their daily lives? Readers, it has a tremendous benefit. So, you know, if I'll kind of compare and contrast, if you buy a book on, on Kindle, say, or, you know, you buy an audio book on Audible, mm -hmm. after you read it or listen to it, you're, you're stuck with it forever. You can't do anything with it. So you can't give it away or, you know, donate it. You definitely can't resell it anywhere. It's just, it basically has zero intrinsic value after that. Maybe you go back and, you know, there's very, very, very few books I've gone back to read, you know, a second or third time. So the vast majority of that is just kind of sitting there as, as dead content. So what this, you know, a blockchain-based solution allows it to do is since those are unique individual, you know, digital objects, you truly own them. So then when you're done with them, you could give them away or you could lend them to a friend or you could resell them. It gives you, you know, it gives you autonomy over the, the thing that you purchase, just like you would if it was a physical book. On the author and publisher side, there's a ton of benefit. You know, there's a, there's a lot of opaqueness to the data that comes back from a, you know, large retailers to publishers, and they don't really have a, a, a they have no way to audit that, that data. Mm -hmm. um, they also, you know, don't have direct to consumer access, so they don't get any information about who purchased their books or who's reading their books. So this will give them, you know, direct consumer access. So if they have a new title coming out that you may be interested in, they'll have the ability to, to let you know that. And, and also engage at a deeper sort of social level, you know, on the community side with like book clubs and, you know, interaction with the author and free airdrop type content. And then of course, since it is an object that can be traded, they can receive a royalty on those in perpetuity in a secondary market, which doesn't exist in the print or digital side right now. Yeah, almost bringing back sort of the, in a sense, the spirit of like the way that physical books work and the kind of interactions and relationships that get built up over those, uh, but through blockchain. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we we actually use print books a lot in our conversations with publishers to get them to, to under, better understand. Yeah. Because if you think of it in terms of, you know, in a digital licensing model, it's pretty much unlimited, right? So you've removed scarcity. In our model, since it's much more like print, then we can say, hey, there's 5,000 of these or 10,000 of these. There's an exact finite number of these books that exist. Yeah. And then if they all, you know, if they all sold out and you wanted to do, you know, like a second run, you mm -hmm. could remake a, you know, a whole other set with like different cover art or whatever, mm -hmm. and, you know, even modify the book or, you know, it allows a lot of different options. Well, so, uh, you know, where's, where's book.io right now as far as, you know, a startup that's, you know, moving into its market? You've been at trade shows, you've been, you know, uh, selling books. What's sort of the present state? So we, uh, we officially launched over a year ago, last July of 22. So we're, we made it a year, which I think is a good success, especially in this crypto winter that we're, that yeah, we're in. Yeah. And we're continuing to grow and add new employees, continuing to add publishers, um, getting them signed up. Yeah, it's going really well. We sold over 100 titles in the last year, which wow. was over 150,000 individual units. I mean, honestly, it's been going great considering, you know, the state of the current crypto cycle. But um, yeah. I think it's because, you know, it has real utility, right? So mm -hmm. there's yeah. there's something deeper than just, you know, a picture of a JPEG. It's like, well, the value of having it really is like, it is the actual like book the itself. Readership. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there anything else as far as upcoming features, uh, you know, development that you would like the sort of book.io community to be aware of? That, I mean, I think yeah. probably that, you know, the most exciting thing that we have coming up very shortly is is starting to release audiobooks. Oh, great. Um, we actually have that built out. We have it working in the reader. We have one of the biggest audiobook publishers is already signed with us. So, I mean, super excited about that because there's just, that's such a growing, you know, the audiobook segment is such a growing mm -hmm. segment. It's so much easier yeah. to like sort of passively intake an audiobook when you're working out or doing whatever. So we're updating all the apps, we're updating the reader to do a big launch around the audiobook release. So if people have seen this, they're interested in connecting with you, if they want to participate or get involved. Where, where can they go? What, what should they look forward to? Uh, yeah, just um, go to book.io. You can get links to our apps from there for iOS and Android. We have a really good Discord community. Yeah. Like it's been growing and thriving. It's it's really cool because we're, you know, we started on Cardano, but we're, uh, we're multi-chain platform. So any author, if they have some particular affinity for some other blockchain, they, they, could, they could publish too. But just trying to build like a, a, a bigger like cross-chain, a system where everybody is believing that we don't have to be so tribal, but we all believe that blockchain and utility is the future of yeah. of web3 and and you know interoperability and working together with other chains and stuff is just like it's better for, you know we're all in so early right now i i still think we're in just crazy crazy early you know yeah. so it's such a, a cool time and such an exploratory time and so much development going on uh, so rapidly it's super exciting yeah well that's what this uh that's what this event is about and well, thank, thanks for coming in and talking to me and it's been really good to get this update so absolutely i appreciate it. it thanks for having me yeah so we had the pleasure of meeting up with a host of great projects building on Cardano at Rare Evo. So stay tuned for more interviews and updates coming very soon. Announced at ScottFest last year, the Midnight team has been hard at work developing this new sidechain of Cardano, focused on data protection in an evolving digital world. Maurizio Magaldi, head of product for Midnight, stopped by for his first time on Cardano 360 to share more about the progress they've made and to share some news. Hi everyone, I'm Dominika and I work at IOG as a marketing manager and I am here with Mauricio. Hi Mauricio. Hi Dominika, thanks for having me. You've recently joined the Midnight team. Would you like to introduce yourself to the community? Yeah, thank you. So yeah, I'm, I'm the head of product at Midnight. I've been involved with blockchain since 2014 and since 2017 I've been working directly with blockchain-based businesses. 
I host the weekly BlockRock podcast, where I share my analysis of real-world use cases with Portuguese-speaking audiences and have been working in digital transformation and financial services for over 20 years. Fantastic. We're so glad that you joined the Midnight team. So in case uh, somebody is not familiar with the project, could you tell us a bit more about what Midnight is? Sure. So if you haven't heard of Midnight yet, this is a data protection blockchain that safeguards sensitive commercial and personal data. It's uh, designed to be regulation friendly, meaning that it will enable dApp creators to comply with their industry regulations and standards. Midnight will use a novel data protection first programming model, Kachina, and ZK Proofs. If you could tell us a bit more about what problems Midnight aims to solve. There's this challenge of developing secure, decentralized applications that safeguard user data. This is common knowledge in crypto. So while concerns surrounding traditional centralized systems, vulnerability to hacking, decentralization offers a solution. However, complexities of blockchain tech, on-chain exposure risks, and regulatory compliance hindered the adoption and have been hindering the adoption. So Midnight aims to address these by ensuring privacy without on-chain data correlation, enhancing security, simplifying development, complexities of data protecting dApps, while giving the dApp builders the ability to comply with regulations. So Midnight aims to protect the fundamental freedoms of association, commerce, and expression against threats. And our goal is to empower lawful activities while protecting society, facilitating secure commerce and uncensored expression, all the while maintaining regulatory compliance and data privacy. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Thanks, uh, Mauricio. I think it's a very long-awaited project. So would you like to share the big news? Yeah, so it is the beginning of a, this amazing journey. We're excited to share that we'll soon be opening applications for the Midnight DevNet Access. We'll invite all Cardano and ZK technology enthusiasts and pioneers, projects and developers that want to get early access to our technology and have a real impact on Midnight's future to apply. So these seats are limited. As for now, we'll only be inviting 100 teams for this initial launch. Sounds great. And a big milestone. So we encourage everyone who is excited about ZK technology to look for updates. So where can the community learn about uh, these updates? We will be launching the DevNet application in September, along with our social media handles and a new website. So keep your eyes peeled for these updates. And yeah, join us for this exciting journey. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us and for sharing these exciting updates. Thank you. So if you're a dev and want to join the Midnight DevNet, you'll find the link and links to everything else we've covered on 360 this month in the show notes below. That's it for August. A few things to look forward to in September. We'll have the Marlowe team on the show to discuss some of the work that they've been doing. And ahead of that, the team's asked for any Marlowe-related Catalyst proposers to share their video pitch about their projects, how Marlowe helps them achieve their goals and solves user problems. The pitches will be shared on the Marlowe Twitter handle. And to be considered, you just need to fill out the form in the show notes below and submit your video using the link. Next month, we'll also bring you an update on SanchoNet, the new development testnet for building out governance features and capabilities for Cardano. Sam Leathers will join 360 to give us an update and a demo. And meanwhile, if you're an SPO and want to get involved, check out Sancho.network, spin up a node, and be among the first to start help building the future of Cardano governance. 
Last but not least, after a couple of great days here at Rare Evo in Colorado, we'll be back on the road again soon. We'll be joining Cardano's incredible NFT community in Las Vegas at the NFT X event, returning to the Las Vegas Convention Center from September the 29th to October the 1st this year. So if you're going to be there, make sure you drop by, say hello to the IOG team, the Cardano Foundation, Emergo, Lace, World Mobile, Reflect, and Intersect, the new Cardano member-based organization. If you want to grab some tickets, you can check out the link below. That's it for 360 this month. We'll see you in September.